Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. We actually talking a lot about foundational things today, so that's that's very helpful. We start a new series this week called Under Reconstruction, and the point of this series is to look at the fact that that the Christian faith is being deconstructed by people who have been hurt by it, or people who don't understand it, or people who are hearing a witness that maybe even those of us in this room wouldn't agree is, is Christian. Um, and so uh, we're going to start that. We're going to spend a few weeks in that, and we're going to look at some of those things that are problematic. So this is going to be a tough series, but it's a series that we need to partake of. And to get us started in that, we're going to continue in, in John chapter 20 that we started last week, um, and I'm going to read 19 to 31. And you'll see on the screen the Common English uh, Bible version of it, but I'm actually going to read from the King James, and I'll, you'll see why in, in a little bit here. So hear now the word of the Lord. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, ye might have life through his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So when I was growing up, I finally got to have a phone in my own in my bedroom, and I got to pick that phone, and I desperately wanted and got a Garfield phone. Yes, Um, and it's shaped like Garfield, the little orange cat. I was a big fan of Garfield. Um, I actually looked for that phone. It is somewhere in my stuff. I found a Garfield collection of comics and two stuffed Garfields and a Garfield 
Valentine card, but I didn't find the phone. But anyway, um, I loved that phone. I spent hours and hours and hours on that phone. Um, it, was, it was dear to me. However, it had a fatal flaw in its design. You picked up the handle. Uh, it was the back of the cat was the handle, the receiver to, to talk on the phone. That's also where you dialed the number. And it is also where the hang-up button was located. So it was right here. So you can imagine what happened every time I put that in my shoulder and cradled it, I hung up on whoever I was talking to. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many people I have accidentally hung up on in my life because of that phone. What I can tell you are the two people that I intentionally hung up on. One of those was a young man who attacked me and then the next day called me as if nothing had happened and I hung up on him. And the other was another young man who called me very concerned and worried that I was going to hell because I didn't go to his church. I hung up on him too. You know, I've been through a lot of things in my life. You all have been through a lot of things in your lives. I've been through, you know, school shootings and divorce and attacks and loss and all of those things. We all go through struggles in life. But I can tell you, no one thing has caused me to doubt my faith more than other Christians. It is the witness of other Christians that kept me a long time away from the church. And I think... First of all, my conversations that I've had with people, particularly with Methodists, I think some of you may have had a similar experience that you came into the Methodist church in large part because you were driven here escaping other Christians. But, but that kind of experience, it's not unique. We're not alone. There's an organization called Mission Insight that does a, a serious demographic study and looks at the state of Christianity every four years. They did one in 2017 and they did another one in 2021. Interesting time to evaluate Christianity, right? And when you look at the difference between 2017 and 2021, there are two striking statistics that stand out. One in 2017, 40% of Americans were interested in a deep spiritual life. But in 2021, 60% are. That's a growth of 20%. 20% more people are now interested in a deep spiritual life. And that's exciting news for the church. Or it could be. The other statistic that is striking in there is that in 2017, 30% of Americans believe that church-going Christians were a horrible example of people who followed Jesus. In 2021, 66% of Americans believe that church-going Christians are a horrible example of people who follow Jesus Christ. The vast majority of our nation now looks at the church and says, if you want to follow Jesus, don't go there. And that same study pointed out that in large part it was due to the, the political realities that we have gotten tied into in the past few years, but it was also largely due to how we behaved in the pandemic. It did not look like a group of people who followed Jesus on the whole. But there's any number of other things that they could point out. They could point out our, our racist history. They could point out 
our, our tendency to oppress people because of gender or sexuality. They could point out our politics in general. Or in this month when we're mourning and trying to do better when it comes to the child abuse that happens in our country, certainly the church needs repentance there. So the result of this reality is that there's a mass deconstruction of faith taking place, and it's taking place in large part on social media. If you're, if you're on TikTok, I've spent a lot of hours on TikTok watching how people are deconstructing their faith in order to get ready for this series. Um, and the, there's a whole movement of what I call ex, or what they call ex-evangelicals, that they're walking away from the church because what they've been taught about Jesus, what they read about Jesus is not what they see and they encounter in the church. And they, they're, they're trying to find a way. They're still hungry. They still want to connect to God. They still want to follow Jesus. They're just not sure they can do it in the Christian church. Now, those, of, those who have grown up in the church, you, when you encounter this passage that we just heard, you may feel most like the other disciples. The disciples who receive this word from Jesus who, who hear, I am risen, who see him, who come to him. You've, you've been taught that. You've received that, that, that vision your entire life, that good news. You accept it, you receive it, and you celebrate it, and you become an agent of peace. And you believe. But there are many who are like Thomas. We, we frequently call Thomas Doubting Thomas. But the word doubt does not actually appear at all in this passage. It's what we use to describe Thomas. And I think in this moment in history, we might better be served calling him deconstructing Thomas instead. And what he is doing is, first of all, he is refusing to take the testimony of others at face value. And in all honesty, he's got good reason. These, these people that are telling him, we have seen the Lord they haven't been the most trustworthy folks, right? We, we know just right before this, they bailed. When times got tough, they, they betrayed, they, they, um, they denied, they took off from the cross. So you can kind of get, I mean, he was one of them too, but you can kind of get why he wouldn't take the word of these jokers, right? Um, but, but also, maybe it's that Thomas is taking Jesus at his word. Because Jesus warned them, do not believe in those who come in my name. Believe only in me. And so Thomas wants proof that this comes from Jesus. And the only way he can think he can get proof is to see the wounds. And the fact of the matter is, Jesus does not critique Thomas's doubt. The Bible is filled with people who doubt and have questions. They are great examples of faith for us. Sarah, when she finds out she's going to have a child, is like, she laughs. How in the world? Abraham has those same questions. Abraham has questions about justice for Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses, question after question after question for God. Moses and God are arguing back and forth all the time. Job effectively throws down the gauntlet. Basically says, I want an answer or I will quit believing. 
Zechariah wonders how he's going to have his miracle. Mary has questions about her miracle. And even Jesus has questions as it comes closer and closer to the cross. Doubt is not the problem. Questions are not the problem. Those lead to deeper faith. What Jesus is trying to get Thomas to move from is from disbelief to belief. And the only way that that you can counter that disbelief is to show the wounds. Because that's what allows Thomas to heal. Thomas moves from disbelief to belief by that intimate encounter with the wounds. And they were, it was an intimate encounter with Jesus' wounds, but his own as well. His own loss, his own confusion, his own need to understand. I'm going to share a little bit about my own journey. My own journey came out of doubts, came out of big questions. Um, I was, you know, many of you know I did not grow up in the church. So as the resident heathen, I was invited to a lot of church things. <laughs> it was extra credit if you got a heathen to come, right? So, um, so I went to a lock-in when I was 13, and at that lock-in, uh, they showed a thief in the night. Some of you that grew up in the 70s and 80s would be well familiar with a thief in the night. It is a literal representation of the book of Revelations. It's not really I've read Revelation. I teach Revelation. It's not a literal representation of Revelation, but that's how it was presented. And, um, you know, at the very beginning, they have all the people who get raptured, and then there's all these good people that they focus on, good people that decide to follow God in the aftermath. And nothing but horrible things happen to them in the course of that, including at the end, they show them all getting beheaded. It's a great thing for a 13-year-old lock-in, right? Yeah. Uplifting. Um, well, I left that lock-in terrified, absolutely terrified that I was going to be one of the good people left behind. And that terror lasted about two days. And then it turned to rage. And, and I said, why in the world would anyone follow a God who would do that? And that set me on what I like to call the razor's edge of I was going to be an atheist or I was going to be a pastor. Spoiler alert, you all know how it ends. But it did put me on that. And I decided that the only way I would know was to read the Bible. Not to listen to what other people were telling me was in the Bible, but to read the Bible. And so my mom had given me a Bible when I was in third grade. This is it. This is why I read from it. And it, it was unzipped and zipped every night. Every night I read one chapter, except on Sundays I read two. And it was unzipped so much that I zipped the Psalms right out. <laughs> and it is, it is barely hanging on. Um, and it is the King James. And I was determined to understand, so I looked up the words. And for that reason, I can read Shakespeare like that now, y'all, because I read the whole King James Bible. It took me three years. And I had some profound encounters with God in the course of that reading. And in fact, I can tell you, I can read for you the moment when I knew that I was going to move from disbelief to belief. And it's when I read these words. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Hebrews 11.1. 1. I got goosebumps, which I'm, I have goosebumps right now, remembering that moment. I got goosebumps in that moment because I knew. I knew I was going to believe. I knew on the other side of having read this book that I was in love with God. And I loved the Bible. But I was not sure about the church. It would take me a long time. I would have to find Methodism. Methodism that has this story of grace that says God wants to love us and be in relationship with us at all times and in all places. That, that has the Wesleyan quadrilateral that says, yes, Scripture is primary, but bring reason and tradition and experience into it as well. You don't have to check your brain at the door. You get to ask the questions. Please ask the questions. And in fact, encourages itself in being a big tent so that we all don't agree with each other, so that we all challenge one another, so that we... Just the interaction of being in church with you all causes me to ask questions because I want to understand you better. And I'll admit, this is our failing right now. We're failing at being the big tent as a denomination. We are dividing. And we are doing so in ways that are profoundly hurting so many people. And that's what we must repent of. And the only way we repent is that we have to be willing to look at the wounds. You can't just ignore a wound. You can't, you ignore a wound, it's just going to fester and become infected and kill you. You have to look at the wound. You have to tend to it. And, and 60% of America is desperate for us to tend to it. 60% of America wants a place to connect to God in meaningful and powerful ways. And we can do that. But we have to be a space that allows questions, that encourages questions, that welcomes Thomas in the doors. We need our Thomases to raise questions. When I was preparing for this sermon, I came across a quote from Amy, Amy Plantinga Paw, and she wrote this. She said, John 20, 19 to 31 is a guide for being an Easter community where the wounds of crucifixion are not denied. For the continuing reality of death and failure and trauma is not covered up. Where our lament finds a communal home alongside our joy. Resurrection faith means having the courage to look at our wounds. Resurrection faith means having the courage to look at our wounds. People are calling. They have picked up the receiver and are hungry to connect to God and God's people. But we can't answer the phone and say, I'm worried about you. You're not in my church, so you're obviously going to hell. We have to answer the phone and listen. We have to answer the phone and say, what are your questions? I have those questions too. Let's journey in them together. We have to do this now before they hang up and never call again. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. 
Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.